Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Drum Network podcast. I'm senior reporter for tech at the Drum, Chris Sutcliffe. This week, we're going to be talking about digital and hybrid realities, so how real-world marketing blends with digital experiences. Digital reality was a buzzword du jour a couple of years back, replaced more recently by the wider catch-all hybrid term. Whatever you want to call these blended experiences, and perhaps you're already calling them something new, a marrying up between the digital and physical worlds has become a goal for many marketers. And so on this week's episode, we're going to investigate not just the total CX approaches that bring journeys through both worlds, but the cutting-edge technical applications that merge the two. In addition to examples of work that shows the way forward, and hopefully, for my guests, some thinking about what this all means from the marketing landscape. And speaking of my guests, I'm joined by four fantastic experts who I'm going to ask to introduce themselves now. Trin, could we start with you? Hello, everybody. I'm Trin Vazra, and I'm Executive Creative Director at Freeman um, Agency. And Freeman is an experiential brand um, agency focusing on large-scale events, um, all from strategy down into execution. Thank you. Absolutely. Great to be here. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And Andy. Cool. Yeah. Hi, Chris. Hi, everybody. Uh, so I'm Andy. I'm co-owner and ECD here at 2LK. Uh, we partner with tech brands to help to create advantage through immersive experiences. So our work is all about finding really innovative ways of bringing kind of innovation and technology stories to life in the live channel. Um, We've got a really rich culture of R&D here in the business. A lot of it's kind of centered on sensors, real-time applications, um, using a lot of nascent technology in the work that we do to help clients to bring their nascent technology to, to bear as well. So excited to be here and part of the conversation. Fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us. And Karen? Hi, I'm Karen Hugh. I am in the business development team at Green Gym. We are, we like to call ourselves the home of digital incentives. We partner with brands to bring, um, to connect them to consumers where they are in real, in, in the real world, I suppose. And um, this is all based on one of the most beloved uh, cashback app platforms. Um, and we have some exciting uh, media applications that we can talk about in just a few. I'm sure we will. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. And Ken. Hi, I'm Ken Madden. I am a senior vice president uh, head of experience technology at uh, George P. Johnson Experience Marketing. Uh, we are uh, similar to, to Freeman. We, we do large-scale events, um, experiences for consumers, customers, prospects, et cetera. Um, and uh, my group specifically is really focused on the impact of technology on that experience. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Well, to begin with then, Ken, I wondered if we could stick with you because obviously this has now been a discipline that's been ongoing for a couple of years. What would you say have been some of the best hybrid or digital, if you want to use that word, experiences that you have seen from a brand? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, you know, in the, in the event space, it's, it's interesting. It's been, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, we talk a lot mm. about pre and post because it changed quite a bit, but pre-pandemic, you know, we, we did a lot of, uh, just activations, you know, brand activations, which is basically using technology, um, some, some sort of digital interface to tell, stories about the brand uh, to bring somebody into that uh, story in a very immersive way. Um, and it would always be some sort of hybrid of, you know, physical space with, uh, you know, with some sort of interactive digital component. Um, the pandemic, that really changed quite a bit, uh, you know, and, and so we, you are actually seeing a lot more blend, more unification of the experience. Um, you know, but I, I think some of the best examples are even outside the event space. You look at, I don't know, one of my 
favorite games is Destiny. I, I love the way that they incorporate, uh, you know, physical swag into the digital space. You know, you, in order to, to buy that, that great hoodie, you have to achieve the challenge in the digital space. So your character wears something similar. Um, and then you can bring that into the, into the physical space as well. Uh, I love those kinds of examples. They're really fun. That's so interesting. That kind of real world bragging rights reward is something that I know we'll talk about today yeah. because it is we've seen that increase in popularity among marketers. But Trin, I noticed you were nodding along quite vigorously there when uh, when Ken was talking about the kind of increasing blending. So, what would you say have been some of those best examples that you've seen? I think this might be this is quite a controversial industry, but uh, especially since yesterday's Met Gala. But I mean, from mm. my point of view, I think aesthetically, experientially. Uh, and emotionally has to be the fashion industry. I think with, you know, from during the pandemic and post, I think what they've done is shifted and adapted quite seamlessly and quite, you know, that evolving innovation. And one of the, I think one of the main key experiences that I think was pretty revolutionary was the um, Montclair Art of Genius. I think bringing together um, a number of different disciplines, the partnership, um, and then, you know, nine, what was it? Nine extraordinary artists coming together mm. from technology to art to digital. And, and I think what was really more, most powerful about that was, I think the fact that, which I think is very kind of pivotal and really kind of focusing the main aspect on that is that co-creation, mm. the co-creation and reimagining. And I think that, um, is really pushing and guiding the digital really influenced that physical experience as well, but it really connected the, and it was all about the people as well, which was the, the main key thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure we're going to talk about how it's everything is so people-centric. Of course, I'm sure we'll talk about that as we go along as well. Andy, what would you say have been some of those best examples that you've seen as well, just while we're teeing everything up in terms of, I suppose, understanding what the landscape looks like? Yeah, I mean, I echo Trin's comments about Montclair. It's a yeah, really great example. And actually something they've been kind of leading into for a few years we were lucky enough to do the tiniest bit of consulting on it last year so I had an inside track on it um I, the the go-to consumer one taking us out of the kind of event space is, is always ikea it's the one that your family will know not just the kind of planning and product placement stuff but if you've ever had a look at any of their kind of everyday experiments some of the like space 10 research and um, design lab stuff that they've got where they're looking at everything from kind of allowing you to build ar blanket fortresses for kids or different kind of um, visualization of sound or gestural lighting and so on I, th I think they just do this really lovely job of taking you to the future and, and seeing what it's going to be but you know deep down they're testing they're testing and learning with those experiments as well which is what i, I think is such a landmark for them that's why they're so um top of mind when you talk about this stuff absolutely and just before we go on to karen to ask you know where, where she thinks the you know the, the the best examples are andy to what extent do you feel like there is an advantage for ikea there because they were so early in the space that they had a sort of early mover advantage in terms of time to experiment or even time to develop some of the frameworks for what a good hybrid hybrid model looks like these days yeah, I think they've got all the digital infrastructure in place and that helps a lot. You can sit a lot of modern experiences when you've got the, you know, all the frameworks all the back end there. But the, the, the consumer are looking for simple things actually. And I think they've stayed true to that. Like they're not asking you to massively change your behavior. It's mm. all additive and it's simple. Um, so I think it's, it's the spirit of the brand actually that's given them the head start more than the fact they were an early mover. Um, I think, yeah, you, 
you just come to expect it. Karen, obviously you're coming at this from a slightly different perspective because oh, you're yeah. talking about I yeah. just add on to something. I think Andy's brought up a lot of really interesting points. And um I agree. I also really appreciate IKEA in terms of what they're doing. I think they invest in technology and they're always thinking about how can they integrate what they have to offer into their customer's life, which is, I think, a really challenge, uh, interesting challenge that they have. Um, I, I do think from a personal experience point of view, I think they have they offer a lot of technology that the individual customer doesn't even know how to tap into or experience the breadth of. Um, and so it is probably a lot of testing and learning on their end and potentially they're reaping the benefits more so than their customers at this moment in time. Mm. And I think that there are other brands, maybe not taking such big leaps, but making somewhat baby steps, but then they are becoming more integrated into their customers' lives. And if I think of, um, going back to the fashion space, for example, you know, I don't love to talk about fast fashion, but you know, they have big, um, big budgets and they're investing in this area. So for example, um, the integration of scanning barcodes to be able to search for items on app or on a website when you're physically shopping in store, I think has become one of these really useful technologies that customers that's added value to their customers' lives. So in these stores, you could scan something and then see what it looks like on a model versus the store could be a mess. You don't know what, you know, the hangers are a mess. You can't see what it looks like. So this is a little bit of the area and the space that we play in, in terms of what are these small steps that we can take to really bring the brand closer to the consumer? How do we do that? It could be scanning codes to deliver an offer, which is something that we do and make it easy, make it simple so that it becomes part of consumer behavior, easily adopted, um, something that they think about every time they go into a retail store, for example. So that is fascinating. And you've all brought this up to some extent. Before we move on to talking about sort of what sectors could be doing more in this, I'm going to throw it open to the floor. I wondered, to what extent do you think that customers now, modern customers, are habituated to expect this blending of real world and digital. Is this something now that you almost, it's table stakes for getting involved in e-commerce and actual sort of, you know, marketing, I suppose. I don't know who wants to take that one. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the, I know we, we talked about the, the, the fidgetal term or maybe we're using something else or hybrid, you know, those are terms that if I'm being completely honest, just are, are, are bothersome to me. But exactly. <laughs> Exactly for the reason that you say here is like, I think from a, from a consumer's point of view, from the audience's point of view, they don't really care whether it's physical or digital or whatever. And, you know, like we as marketers differentiate because we, we silo our workflows and, you know, and, and our expertise. But the reality is like, I I think the expectation is that we are thinking about these as, as like a, it's a, it's a singular experience as a unified experience. It happens to have digital components or physical components. Um, and I, and I think that's how, you know, that's how our audiences are embracing these things. It's whatever, whatever way they can connect with the brand, whatever's in front of them, whatever resonates, you know, whatever tells the best stories and pulls them in uh, and immerses them in that brand the most or allows them to co-create. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's really about the audience. Just add to that. I think it really used to be, people used to think about it separately. You know, what was happening online, what was happening digitally versus what's happening in the real world. And nobody lives that way anymore. Yeah. So it's really just you know, life has evolved mm. and therefore yes. how we communicate and talk to everybody has to move along with that. 
And so I agree with you. The, these terms are, are really just, you know, very kind of industry specific or we're talking to ourselves, but from a consumer point of view, they are just living their lives. And, you know, how does what we have to offer in terms of how we communicate fit into that, you know, is, all, is the question we should be answering. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think it's fascinating as well that we did actually have a question in the uh, draft questions list before we sent across that was almost, are these marketing specific terms? And it sounds like the resounding answer is, yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise consumers, the consumers don't think like this, that'd be ridiculous. Um, you know, I don't think about this when I'm acting as a consumer, even a little bit. But Trin, we've mentioned a couple of things there. We've mentioned everything from fashion. We've mentioned sort of the kind of this big retail brands as well. What sectors do you think are particularly well primed to take advantage of this now? What, you know, is that the ones that we've mentioned? Is it, you know, telecoms? Is it, you know, gaming to Ken's point? Where do you think that the big opportunities are? I think some of the big opportunities I was thinking about was, I mean, yeah, the large tech brands that I tend to work with and retail are doing really well in this and automotive. But I think there's a real big opportunity with the travel industry. I feel like that's an experience of its own, you know, to there's so many gaps from the moment you step out of the door to get into your Uber or your, you know, and Airbnb and VRBO have done a really great job in trying to build that gap and that experience but there could be so much more and I think that you know during the pandemic and post-pandemic what was really identified was you know that partnership that you have with mm. other brands the unconventional um furthering that you know that imagine just you know taking you and seeing you you know an experience not only from a location but from hotels then even to you know where you're going to stay or what you're going to do within that space I think there's so much opportunity around that um, and automotive as well. I mean, sorry, I was going to say was, was that with automotive, I know in I think Mercedes is one they want to increase their online sales. But you know, in a dealership, you want to go in and you want to test drive. But they are really yeah. relying on the metaverse and digital to really, you know, bridge that gap. And it's incredible that they have that target that they were going to they're going to do it. You know, and mm. that that personalized journey and making it. And what I loved what you know. Um, what Karen was saying was around, you know, they have to, and you know, with connecting those uh, that community together, and they have to move on, they have to progress. It's because we have high expectations. The audience have high expectations, and you've got to meet them. Um, so yeah, absolutely, yeah. I th I think the travel example is so good. If you go on, you know, yeah. not to talk about TTG Media, who are, I suppose, nominally one of the drums competitors, they they focus on this so much, and every single brand they mentioned does it so incredibly well. Uh, it's, it's really mm -hmm. fascinating to see how that has developed over the past couple of years. Andy, where do you see there still being opportunity, though? Where are some sectors, where are there some sectors who should be investing in this a lot more? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, the really exciting stuff in this space is way beyond the kind of online ordering and AR navigation and digital commerce platforms and stuff. It's, it's the bit that is still a promise. It's this like world beyond rectangles. It's these. Um, this life without a screen, spatial UIs and all of the really like high promise, low proof stuff that we all think is just around the corner. Um, and I, th I think it's the entertainment industry that's going to drive a lot of that, that change um, from being a kind of passive uh, observer of a story mm. to having agency and how it plays out to be immersed in these different worlds. And I, th I think they're going to spend an untold amount of money to bring a lot of this technology to to the front lines and um, where it then moves uh, perhaps with a bit more utility business uh, industries like healthcare where you can see 
you know, just the, the pandemic showed us how um, how traditionally slow that space has been, and how a, a, you know a new need drove an enormous high paced change just in simple things like how we access records and talking to doctors and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, blending kind of the, the physical and the, and the digital stuff together to improve patient care and accessibility, and that's where the meaningful stuff is, mm. even if it, they're really just picking it up from the fun end of the, of the industry <laughs> entertainment and gaming and stuff um yeah there's there's so much going on isn't there it's this this taking us out of um out of the mindset where technology is kind of um elevating an experience and actually getting to the point where the technology's out of the way it's no longer kind mm. of encumbering it it's gone it's so invisible so um it, yeah it's 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 removed entirely um yeah loads going on all these, these different industries are kind of moving out of the transactional nature of that uh, exchange with, with, with the user. I think, you know, you mentioned the journey and I think it is, I mean, that's the big shift for, for us is, is putting more and more emphasis on a journey approach to content, to those interactions, to storytelling, to, you know, to uh, how, how someone interacts with the brand. Um, like the healthcare thing has always been so transactional, you know, but then you look at like, um, in, in finance, like in the States, you know, it was tax time recently. And even just thinking about how much the tax, you know, the tax filing structure has changed over the years. And it is a, it's a much less transactional, much more experiential sort of, uh, experience at this point that, uh, it, it, uh, yeah, I would love to see healthcare get on the bandwagon and, and, and move, move a little faster. So one of the things that has consistently come up um, Karen, of, of the conversation that we've had so far is about the fact that it is effectively creating so many more touch points for brands to reach audiences here. So from what you've seen, have we sort of reached the the mentality in the industry to take advantage of this? Or is there still a little bit of education to be done about what is possible? I feel like this word has been used so much already in this conversation, but I think it is a journey. Mm. Um, I don't think that there are, there you know, with uh, new developments and innovation, there will always be that need to educate. Um, I think how well that that job is done alongside how good the technology and experience is will then dictate what survives, moves on, and it continues to evolve. Um, I really don't think you have one without the other. Mm. And for, off the back of that, then, the question that naturally follows, I suppose, is we've spoken about consumer attitudes to this and how effectively it's no longer an experiment it's effectively utility now to andy's point that the tech has almost got out of the way and everything from a consumer point of view is very seamless so when brands are considering doing i suppose uh digital hybrid to what extent can they do this now off their own backs or is there still a need for partnership with you know dedicated and proprietary tech you know, are we taking off the shelf to to power this, or is there something that you know this this is something the brands can do in and of themselves? It's a it's an interesting question, I think, and it's something that we're seeing a lot of today, like with the brands that we work with. You know, it, it seems like the more mature they are in the space of creating these connected experiences, um, the more ownership they do have over their tech stack. Um, I think that's actually been a huge shift during the mm. pandemic, is that a lot of these really mature brands have have a very mature tech stack around the event space today. Um, and it is finally a little bit more connected to the greater sort of sales and marketing technologies. Um, it's crazy how 
disconnected those were historically. And when I say historically, I mean, you know, two, three years ago. Uh, yeah, but technically I, history, but not what yeah, we think exactly, of as history. Exactly. Yeah, but, it, the, you know, they, but, you know, but at the same time, it is, it, it, it's not so much about building proprietary sort of bespoke systems as it is about owning your tech stack. And it's this in a integrated, uh, you know, amalgamation of, of different off the shelf technologies that you're, you know, you're integrating and customizing and personalizing to, to, to suit your, your, your needs as a brand. No, I was going to just say what Ken was saying. It's, it's, you know, it, using old technologies in new ways. That was one key thing that we were, we were really doing. And, yeah. and, you know, it's something that Andy mentioned was like the sensor based and gesture based motion leap, you know, it was pre pandemic. It's if we could utilize it in a, in a new way to tell a story or to, a narrative or if it is a case study or a white paper that you wanted to break down there's there's that as well but you're absolutely right it's it was, goes back to to that journey and that storytelling of what the attendee and how they want to consume that information but yeah it's very interesting how far you can go with a uh, technology <laughs> well obviously we're this is a drum network podcast and one of the things that i know the drum network editor wants to ask is how do you actually go about measuring the success of a hybrid campaign so it's not necessarily a new discipline but it does require bringing together quite a lot of insights from different places and you know even the fact that you have to i suppose think about it as a single campaign versus two separate you know disciplines now is could potentially muddy the waters so andy to what extent you know do we is there an existing framework for measuring the success of a hybrid or digital campaign yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question, isn't it? And I guess we're back to language and vernacular again because we're talking about, I guess, how do we measure anything at this point? Because there, there are so many channels at play and so many um, interactions. I, I think um, it, in some cases it comes down to the opposite of that, which is mm. taking the burden of measurement off. Like when we're doing lighthouse projects around new technologies that are – asking our audience to behave in different ways like it, it, it's okay to test stuff out um and the learning is the is where the success lies um there's a ton a ton of data that comes in from any kind of um cloud interactions anything to do with sensors and screens i mean it's, it's endless isn't it and in a lot of cases it, it can become a little bit um dense like there's almost too much to look at you can prove anything is or isn't a success and for me it goes back to the, the strategy and planning phase like being really really discreet with what the single objective is um, and trying to promote um learning and kind of and testing as part of that strategy and letting something happen in the world see how how it landed um explore like qualitative stuff rather than mm. just getting sucked into the mirror of like quant data um back to some really traditional kind of focus groups and stuff that allow you to work out whether it actually worked. Um, a, a few friends of ours run an agency here in the UK, um, did this lovely project last year um, called the Keeper of the Paintings, which was at the National Gallery. It was about getting kids to engage with art. And um, they built this really lovely app, uh, AR experience, created this fictional character, the Keeper of the Paintings, and he was there to help like kids engage with the place and the contents and the curation. But it was like the whole strategy there was to keep screen time as low as physically possible. And it was just this <laughs> tiny little gateway to get you in. And yeah. then you were off, kids were running around testing things. And, you know, their, their data was talking to children afterwards and finding out what worked, what didn't, what did they remember. And 
there's a yeah, nice little reminder there to keep it simple, I think. <laughs> single-minded. I would also have yeah. the other view as well, and that I think that you know, in all the brands that we work with, it is it is a, qu- a question that constantly comes up in terms of how how are we measuring success in terms of our marketing budgets, um, you know, and and to directly assist in that, one of the things we've done is to, to leverage our technology to do so in terms of, you know, and this could have application in your world as well in terms of events. Um, you know, for example, we can provide a QR code and off the back of that, um, that can be, you know, placed anywhere at an event where someone decides to interact with the call to action. And off the back of that, if they decide to redeem the offer, we have visibility to that customer that we can then share, um, you know, overall information with the brands as to how successful that, that event was, for example, if they wanted to drive sales or post event interactions, um, you know, some, a lot of feedback that we get is that in terms of experiential activities or activities in, in stores, it's very hard to continue that conversation Mm. with a specific consumer and, you know, through through now connect connections through technology and through what we offer, we're able to offer them a lens into that, especially for a lot of these brands that are used to operating in a direct-to-consumer space. Mm. They're used to having access to a lot of consumer data, their own customer data and how they're interacting with their product or, or whatever it is. Um, but once, cons- once they're distributed in physical stores, they tend to lose all of that. And so we're, we're helping them build that bridge. And is that the sort of the, I suppose, the... When you're thinking about your own role, building that bridge is obviously kind of a, it's both utility, but it's also a USP for your brand as well, well, for you as well. So when you're talking to brands, is that very much your selling point almost about making sense of it all? I think what's, um, what's interesting is that, you know, as, as much as, you know, the digital conversation has grown, um, people are still shopping in stores and searching yeah. for these tangible real life experiences. So that, you know, despite how much online shopping has grown, has not gone away. People still want to experience, touch and feel, see, you know, see with their own eyes. So as brands are still being distributed in these very mainstream, traditional, you know, manners, they're losing a little bit of that contact with the customer. And that customer may be the same, may be different than their, their own, you know, DTC customer. But they still they still want to know this information, and so you know, yes, it is it is part of the you know as you say USP, but it is something that we have in almost every conversation. Yes, that's I think that's really fascinating. It's one of those things that pre this conversation I wouldn't even particularly have thought about. Um, but you also brought up budgets there, and one of the things that we keep hearing at the drum is that this year is going to be so much more of a focus on ROI less about sort of the kind of move into experimental stuff and really playing around. It's doubling down on ROI. Trent, to what extent do you think that is going to impact this hybrid space? Or is there an opportunity here for brands to sort of go, well, actually, we can actually deliver greater ROI this way? I think, I think at least an advantage, I think this is what's going to be the innovation around it. And I think creating these experiences within the physical space, this is where and creating these experiences that have purpose and authenticity is a big key thing. So that is making sure you have the right conversations in the right place. And if that's within the space, that means, you know, there's a big, like heavy, you know, element to, to, to ROI. And so I feel like it will have an effect on that. And can you were also nodding along there to the point about ROI. So to what extent do you feel like this is going to impact this space? 
I, I, I think it'll have a really positive impact. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge as so many of these data points are disconnected today. Um, I think they're more connected than they were, but they're still pretty disconnected. Um, but I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, in the event space with our clients, like a pretty significant part of their, uh, marketing budget historically is spent on events. Like they recognize the power of these, this, uh, this in-person connection and what that does for your brand and what that does for the, the, the purchase funnel. Um, but I think, you know, what, uh, what the pandemic's taught a lot of brands is that people want to connect in a lot of different ways. And so there's, there are, there are a lot of unproven paths in that journey, um, that I, that I think, you know, the, the, for the last two, three years, like measurement got thrown out the window basically because everybody was like, ah, we just got to make it work. We got to figure out this new thing. But that, that conversation has come back in full force this year. Um, and everybody's scrambling to put measurement in place, but I'm, I'm seeing so far that that's pushing us to actually make a more connected experience, um, because they, they're trying to connect the dots. And, um, so I, I, I think it'll, I think it'll be good for the, good for business, good for the brands. And I, from my perspective, most importantly, good, good for the attendee, good for the audience. Nice. Perfect. And I think that, that, you know, looking for connection in a variety of different ways is such a fundamental truth that we could probably have, you know, uh, spent the entire episode talking about it. But we've then spoken about the past. We've spoken about pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. We've spoken about the present in terms of ROI and budgets. Um, but now I'm going to, as a sort of final question, ask what you're all most excited about when it comes to the future of the space. And Andy, you have the, I suppose, the unenviable task of of deciding what you're most excited about first, or maybe the enviable task, because you can really sort of stake it as your own. What are you most excited about looking, you know, about what's coming down the pipe? Yeah, I think probably touched on it on it earlier with this um, when we start to break the fourth wall a little bit and remove the screen from the experience. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, uh, long distance sort of engineering stuff here. But this uh, was part of a drum TV thing a couple of weeks ago about generative AI. And you start talking about where the creative opportunities are um, and thinking about how you change the way you interact with machines and you go from voice to text to everything and suddenly you're thinking well how long will i use a mouse and a keyboard for and for me that's where you start to think about how many different um opportunities there are to shape our interactions with technology what it does for us where it sits in our um in our human sort of connectivity suite um and it gets quite ethereal but it it actually doesn't perhaps feel as far away as it sounds with the pace of change at the moment so uh, I'm ever the optimist and all of this stuff <laughs> fascinates me. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think there's so much, um, overlap, so many different things that are finally going to join when we build faster, stronger networks and we've got processing at the edge and we've got, you know, just complete, um, yeah, unification across all of these different tools and technologies. It's, yeah, it's where it starts getting really spicy. It, it, um, <laughs> it is. It's really, I refuse it's to be scared. Time. I'm all in. Good. That is really <laughs> good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I always think is you mentioned entertainment before. I feel like we need to be looking at what the band Gorillas are doing because it always feels like they're about five years ahead of the curve when it comes oh, to yeah. hybrid digital events and you know really connecting the dots between these two. So I'm sure we'll. I'll just keep an eye on what Gorillas are doing and then start nicking their ideas. But. Um, Trin, what would you say you're most excited about in terms of this this space over the next couple of years? Um, I think it's actually a 
touching on what Andy said was, is, you know, they, how digital is going to really influence uh, how we design our physical spaces. I think, you know, the metaphors is a key element, how that aesthetically um, is going to bring some of the influences within the space um, and doing doing good, everything, you know, making an impact, everything having a purpose. Um, and I'm very excited about that. And digital not being, and, you know, digital not being like a last minute thought, it's actually more of a natural, cohesive, integration um within within the whole experience so yeah i'm very excited about that i I feel like i could feel half the listeners suddenly go yes to your last point there about it not being an afterthought i feel like that's going to land particularly heavily with some people um and uh yeah ken what would you say you're most excited about whether that be in destiny out of destiny whatever (laughs) i uh you know i think uh, uh, unlike Andy, I, I embrace my terror, my, my, my fear. Uh, I think I've, <laughs> I think I've always been, I've always been most excited by the things that most terrify me. Probably why I, I've, you know, I can't look away from Black Mirror, but I, uh, you know, I, I feel like part of my, part of my role in life is to make sure that those realities don't become the reality. But, um, but I, you know, I do get really excited about, you know, we're at, we're at this, kind of crossroads of technology where uh, where all these things that, you know, have been science fiction for so long are all kind of converging together, you know, with AR, VR, kind of where it's at and how much more accessible it is today. And, and most importantly, how much more accessible it is for creators today, um, you know, and then AI is, is doing the same thing. I mean, it's like, you know, AI has been around for a while, um, but, uh, but what's really shifted is what it has put in the hands of potential creators. Mm. And so I think we're going to see a lot of really exciting changes to the way we are entertained, to the way that we uh, uh, connect with each other, connect with brands, connect with products. Um, so I, 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 it gets me really excited. Um, and to be a, a part of that at this moment in time, is, is it's going to be a really fun ride. Nice. That's, that's a really optimistic way of looking at that. And, you know, even though... We didn't spend too much time talking about AI. I know we could have done. We could have spent yeah. the entire episode talking about that. No, yeah. entire series talking about that. <laughs> and so, so you, Karen, you're going to have the final word on this. What would you say is the most exciting opportunity, whether that be for brands or for marketers over the next couple of years from this? Uh, I always think that the the things that are most successful in terms of what we do um, from a you know marketer agency experiential point of view is what is, how are we going to bring technology to consumers that is going to be added value to their life? And by that, I mean, not just doing what it's set out to do at the moment in terms of the specificity of the tech, but also how do we not just create for experience sake? Uh, Mm. We don't necessarily just want people to just spend all of their time in these kind of new world, new options, you know, that's, that's what I see happening um, currently is that, you know, technology is both a, it's, it's a, it's a, a benefit. But it's also a bit of a curse, you know, with everyone spending so much time attached to their devices, uh, living a life that's different than what they used to. So how can we have enable people to have the best of both, you know, and mm. happily so. That feels like a, a years-long challenge to actually wean consumers and the marketing industry off the shiny new thing. So yeah, we'll have to come back in five years and see how how well we've done with that. But thank you all so much for coming on and having a whistle-stop tour 
through kind of the, the digital and hybrid marketing space conversation. I know, again, as I mentioned, we could have spoken about this for hours and hours and hours. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight. Now, if the listeners want to reach out and get in contact with you, pick your brains about anything that you've mentioned or even talk to you about some of the work you've done in this area, where's the best place for them to find you? Trin? You can catch me on um, freeman.com forward slash EMEA. You can contact me on there. Um, otherwise, you can contact me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Fantastic. And Andy? Yeah, LinkedIn. I'm probably one of the few Andy Sextons on there. So <laughs> go dig it out. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah. there's. I, I counted, there's five journalists called Chris Sutcliffe in the UK alone. So I'm, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> Doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> and Karen? Uh, LinkedIn as well. Um, and also Karen at greengin.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And Ken? Yeah, uh, if you want to check out our work at gpj.com, um, LinkedIn for me, uh, Ken Madden. Don't confuse me. There is a cowboy poet named Ken Madden. <laughs> I don't write cowboy poetry. Um, but, uh, but or you can get me on Discord, uh, O-Space, O-S-P-A-C-E. Nice. Why did we not talk about cowboy poetry for the forget it? I'm scrapping the whole episode. We're starting again. We're talking about cowboy poetry. Let's do it. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much, Trin, Andy, Karen, and Kenny. It's been an absolutely fantastic conversation. Really appreciate you coming on. For the listeners, please do stick around. Go to the drum.com where we write about all aspects of marketing and the media every single day of the week. That's the drum.com, or you can find us on social media at the drum. But for now, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>